0: and Paul M. Returning to the show, today is Hayadon, president and CEO of Oceano Resources, a gold project development and exploration company focused in Namibia, Southwest Africa. Oceano Resources is part of the Opportunities portfolio held here at Smith Weekly Research. Oceano Resources is listed on the Toronto Venture Exchange under the symbol OSI and also on the US OTC markets under the symbol O-S-I-I-F. Hiya, welcome back to the show. How's life treating you?
1: Yeah, thanks. Great to be back here. We haven't spoken in a while and so much has happened. So I look forward to chatting to you.
0: Well, let's get right into Osino, Hiya. You're right. It has been just over a year since we last spoke. Why don't you give us just a, a quick update on Osino here and then the current status of the capital structure here?
1: Okay, so, I mean, you said it there in the beginning, we were an exploration company with some very good capital behind it and we made a very nice discovery that we discussed a year ago, but we have advanced substantially from that. We're now truly into the development space, so we're a development company that still has a lot of exploration upside. The project has grown in leaps and bounds. Um, We kept that or or, or we, we sort of demonstrated that with a PEA that came out not long ago. Uh, but we are already working on some growth initiatives that will re benchmark this project very soon, probably within the next six months at a much higher level. So there's a lot of juice left in the story, and um, we're very busy delivering this. But you asked me about the capital structure. So we are, um, we've got about 110 million shares out. Uh, we're trading at, uh, you know, like everyone else in the gold space, trading, traded down, trading at about five. So we're around about a um, hundred million Canadian dollar company, 100 hundred, 110 million. So we are truly a very lowly valued developer. We used to be a fairly valued explorer. We're now a lowly valued developer. And I think therein lies the, um, I think, amazing opportunity with us, you know, because we've been substantially de-risked um, geologically, technically, even financially. Uh, we have a lot of upside left, and I think we will re rewrite substantially over the next six to 12 months. Back to you.
0: Haya, the infill drilling program is underway now. Maybe share with the audience what you expect, rough expectations, at the end of this program in regards to potential resource here, production profile, and mine life. What do you see coming out of this?
1: So the infill drill program is um, almost complete. We've completed about 100,000 meters so far this year. We've got another 10 20,000 meters to go. And that is probably two thirds infill drilling, uh, maybe a a bit less, 60% infill drilling, 20% brownfields exploration drilling, and another 20% more regional exploration drilling. So we've got a a real sort of triangle of targets and opportunities that we're advancing, and at the top, is, of course, the Twin Hills project, which has a 1.9 million ounce 43101 compliant resource. So that's the Canadian technical standard that we have to um, report according to. That was put out in March with about 60,000 meters of drilling. We've added another 60, 70,000 meters since. Um, So there will be incremental growth. Certainly, we expect a couple of hundred thousand ounces extra and we are finishing off the infill drilling in the next month or two. Then we've got about two months of um, sample turnaround time and data processing. So probably around February, March next year, we'll have a new resource. Let's call it end of Q1. We will put out a new technical report, a new study. It will either be a PEA or a pre-feasibility. We can get into the details, why the one and not the other. Um, But the idea of that follow on study is to re-benchmark the project. I mean, our PEA that we put out in August had about just under $400 US dollar NPV. And I expect that with the extra ounces that we've added, plus optimization, mine plan optimization, plus um, metallurgical improvements like bigger throughput, etc. All these things we're working on right now, we're going to deliver with that study come Q1 next year. And I think that our NPV should go up maybe around 50%, I'm hoping. And our production rate, you asked me about, might go to 150,000 ounces a year for a substantial part of the life of mine. Now, just to remind you, the last PEA, we're sitting at about 100, 120,000 ounces a year. So I would say Twin Hills, in the greatest scheme of things, in the global scheme of things, Twin Hills is a very good project, but I think in the next six months, we'll turn it into an exceptional project. To me, exceptional means 150,000 ounces plus per year with all the necessary components in place, or just about in place, like permitting, surface rights, feasibility, financing, all those things we're looking to deliver Q1, Q2 next year. And on the back of that, I expect a very substantial rewrite of the share price.
0: Looking forward to seeing what comes out of this. Certainly, I think it's underestimated. It looks like 2022 will will demonstrate uh, quite a bit more here and probably the next leg up in the shares. Late August, you applied for a mining license with the Namibia Ministry of Mines and Energy. Talk about the time frame and remaining permit requirements from this point to getting the permitting process fully settled.
1: Yeah, so the time frame I think is more or less one year. There's history for this. That's more or less how long it took p 2 gold for their Ochocota project. Which to remind your to remind your listeners, uh, my former company used to own that, and we sold it to p 2 gold with a PA. They ended up building a very successful gold mine there, and, um, which basically, it's a billion-dollar company. It's about 20% of, of P2 Gold's production. Now, Twin Hills is um, going to be another Archicordo. It, it looks and feels very similar, and it's got very very similar parameters. And so, we often compare ourselves to Archicordo, and we of, of course, we, we have history there, there. So, that's where I get my confidence from, that we're talking about a one-year permitting process key deliverables that we have to deliver in the next few months to make that happen is an environmental and social impact assessment, uh, closure plan, you know, all these environmental studies that will be done by the end of this year. And then, yeah, I think by the middle of next year, we should have that the mining license in place. There are a couple of other environmental clearance certificates that we require, but that's almost a mechanical process. It's stuff like waste handling, water abstraction, etc. These are subsidiary permits that we need to get and all of those can be expected to be in place by the middle of next year. So I'm pretty confident that by middle of next year, we should have the, uh, the money right in place.
0: Excellent. Yeah, Namibia is a fantastic regulatory environment, really a model for <laughs> a lot of, uh, what would you call it, late stage jurisdictions, if you will. So uh, certainly Namibia is a fantastic place to do business, in my opinion, and I know that you know this much better than just about anybody listening. How about water? Always a challenge in these types of regions. Do you think you can get enough water through on-site well exploration, Haya? And then also just speak to how deep you think these wells are going to be.
1: Yeah, obviously you know about Namibia from your, your uranium days, and you know that water is probably the key risk. I should add that we are not in the Namib Desert. We're more in the central part of the country. So we do have groundwater. So water is not quite as complicated as it is for the uranium mines on the coast. Um, We we do have access to the national grid. In fact, we've already applied to get grid water but we don't want to rely on it because I think the the issue is that the Namibian parastatals, their timelines to deliver um, grid water is probably longer than our development timeline so therefore we are doing groundwater drilling right now. We've actually drilled about 30 wells already. Generally 100 to 200 meters deep so not excessively deep. We've got, we're sitting on a marble and sedimentary rock contact zone, uh, Schist and marble contact zone, uh, which is typically water bearing. It's the same contact zone that the Ocha mine sits on, the Beachy Gold mine, which supplies itself fully from groundwater. Um, Our groundwater is not quite as strong as it is up there, but we already have, in fact, we're doing the blow yields and the pump testing and everything as we speak right now. It looks like we already have about 50% of the mine requirement covered on a sustainable yield basis um, and that's just using reconnaissance boreholes which, we, um, which we've which we drilled. So I think we can get there with groundwater but just from a risk management perspective we are also obviously looking at grid water and uh, we're also looking at groundwares. Um, so we've got a couple of alternative projects to augment that um, supply.
0: Yeah, and Haya, talk about that just a little bit more. I, I know certainly, for example, Kavango Basin, I know Recon Africa is doing water wells up there. If you do grid water, what would be the process for the project? I mean, I'm assuming it would be a pipeline, but maybe you can clarify that for us.
1: Yeah, you know, just briefly on that, you know, our project is beautifully located in an infrastructure-dense area of the country. We've got another gold mine, another truck, which used to be owned by Anglo, which is still in operation, which is only 20 kilometers away. And they have piped water from a reservoir which is near Vientiane, the capital city. So it would be fairly simple and not too capital intensive for us to also link in with, with that. The question is, how much of that water would they give us? So that that water source certainly is limited. So I think it will be, it will, it will augment our supply and it will be a diversifier in times of need. But uh, we don't want to rely on it at the moment. We don't know yet. We've made application. They will tell us shortly how much of that water we can get. But our base case is that we will be 100% groundwater supplied on a sustainable yield basis.
0: Okay. How about the uh, metallurgical program, Haya? What's the status there? How's things shaping up? Any issues on that front?
1: Yeah, I I love that question because we've done so much work. We're literally in the definitive stage of metallurgical test work already. We've done four rounds of test work. Um, It is very clear that it is vanilla processing route, straightforward, off the shelf, Crush, grind CIL so been done 100 times before so it's very low risk very well understood we are currently up to 91 percent recovery which is very respectable and there still is scope for optimization and we're doing that test work at the moment so by january next year we will have concluded feasibility I'm, i'm talking bankable feasibility level metallurgical test work so metallurgy definitely is a low risk area. I would say the key key aspects of a mining development project being geology uh, and metallurgy are both very low risk for us. Um, So we're very pleased about that.
0: Appreciate that, Hayat. This is uh, shaping up really well. Uh, You mentioned it a little while ago, question coming back here, pre-feasibility. Is that the plan next year or are you gonna feel confident enough here next year, 2022, to just go ahead and start advancing this right to definitive stage?
1: you know the the way to respond to that is you must remember that we've got different audiences we've got the capital markets like the let me say the the stock exchange you know we've got the retail and the the guys that buy the equity that's the one audience and for them they interested in you know size maximum npv etc but another key audience for us are the the banks the debt providers that will fund this project and for them we need a definitive study um and that's why we are we've decided to to take this sort of two-track approach and do it at the same time. So we're doing all the de- all the test work is being done to the highest degree of detail that we can. Same for the drilling, that's why the entire resource by the end of this year would have been drilled out to the indicated level. Remember, for a BFS you need indicated resources, you're not allowed to use inferred. So that, that will be done by the end of this year. But so the plan for us is previously we said we'll go from PEA straight into definitive. But we're actually putting another PEA in between and the reason being that we've identified all these growth projects and we want to re-benchmark the project um, for the equity markets audience and that's why we will put out that PEA or maybe maybe we'll call it a pre-feasibility or a PA, still to be decided that will come out Q1 next year that will bring the um, substantial growth in NPV and also production rate but then we will follow it up very quickly thereafter hopefully three months later with the definitive Um, And that definitive is more geared towards the banks because we're hoping to also announce a fully funded project, i.e. a project finance package, shortly after the announcement of the definitive. So call it early Q3, we should be shovel ready, literally, with definitive study, uh, all the drilling done to indicated measured level of detail, permitting in place, surface rights in place, project finance in place, and all you, that, all you have to do then is feed front-end engineering and design, um, and then you could, we could theoretically be commencing with early works towards the end of next year. So that's the plan at the moment.
0: Hi, you're pretty excited about building this, aren't you?
1: Well, I'm excited about building shareholder value. <laughs> so, you know what the reality is, we will do whatever is necessary to create shareholder value. We've got an amazing project, which we're not going to sell for nothing, so if the equity market doesn't value it which is the case currently I mean we're currently trading at a point call it yeah I think we're trading at about 0.1 0.2 times NAV we should be trading at 0.5 0.6 for a developer but the equity markets obviously don't don't want to give us that valuation and that's that's a, a reflection of the the state of the markets generally at the moment and that's why at this time we wouldn't be able to do m a because we wouldn't accept the 50% premium. We probably wouldn't even accept the 100% premium. So we've got to get the valuation up. Which, I mean, there are many examples for this. This is this is, this is typical. You know, your your readers may may have, or your listeners may have heard of the Lasson curve. You know, La curve is kind of the ups and downs of um, of a development company. And we're we are in the final trough. Usually, what happens in companies which are at at, at this stage of the lifecycle, at which we are at. Typically with that de-risking, basically the financing, the definitive, the permitting, with that comes a major re-rating. So I, I do expect that over the next six to 12 months, we should re-rate from call it point point one point two price per NAV to maybe point four point five price per NAV. So that's a doubling, maybe even a triple. You know, I, I don't like talking about share prices because for obvious reasons, but I think that re-rating needs to happen. Um, and I think thereafter, and um, that should bring m and am I'm still fairly confident that um, M&A will come. I would prefer to sell the company and get get someone else to build the mine, but we obviously want to get a proper price. And so we will continue to de-risk until that situation evolves. And I have no doubt that it will evolve.
0: That sounds good. And you're working on smoothing out that Lassonde curve a little bit here with also just some of the exploration upside that continues here. So how about the local relations, government relations, Haya? Talk about the importance here for this in Namibia, and are there any specific community initiatives progressing at this point that you might want to mention?
1: So government relations generally are very constructive. I think I think you know one of the things that sets Namibia apart amongst many is um, the accessibility of government. So the regulators are um, very motivated to help. They sometimes say the wrong things, but they end up usually doing the right things. Um, you know They've delivered a very stable mining regime regime over the last 20-30 years which we benefit from. So we have excellent relations with the regulators, um, very very happy. And we do have local partners too at the asset level. We've got um, uh, one or two Namibian entities who vended licenses into us and we're earning into their licenses and they're also very constructive. So it's generally um yeah it's a happy place namibia it's easy to do to do deals with the locals and uh, yeah it's relatively easy to put companies together and advance projects so we're very happy about operating in namibia
0: how about some of the exploration other exploration projects here any plans on that front or is the focus at this point just all ahead at twin hills
1: yeah so we have a big portfolio of course we've got twin hills the twin hills district which is which is about a third of all of our licenses, but that's, of course, the most advanced ones with the 20 year discovery, the 2 million ounces and growing. I do think we will make another discovery within truckable distance, hopefully, in the next couple of months. We've we've gotten a lot of smoke. We're trying to convert that uh, smoke into some fire, but it's looking pretty good. It's about three or four kilometers to the um, to the west of the project, and that's excellent because we'll bring incremental resource growth. We're very focused on that. We've got a couple of drill rigs there at the moment but we've had some very good success also with the regional projects, which the company is actually getting zero credit for at the moment. We haven't communicated it much for different reasons, but um, we've made a couple of very interesting surface discoveries. We've identified another trend that's clearly fertile and we, we actually doing follow up work and we'll be drilling it soon. So I think there's a good chance of making further discoveries and we are contemplating at the moment how we can actually unlock that value. Maybe, one way would be to spin out and explore Co. Osino carries on with the Twin Hills project and we spin out the exploration assets, get another partner in and intensify our efforts on those. Uh, I think that would be an easy way to extract some of that value. It's a bit early days, so I can't promise this yet, but that's what we're thinking about at the moment. So maybe early next year or so, we can we can look at that in
0: That sounds good. Looking forward to seeing what else uh, comes up here because the portfolio is good uh, beyond Twin Hills. Coming back here, Haya, to to expectations here going forward and your level of knowledge in this region and also your level of knowledge with the mid-tier, senior mid-tiers out there. What do you think in terms of size and profile? We talked about this just before here, but uh, on size and profile, what do you think is going to attract a major or a mid-tier into a place like Namibia? Because it's a tier one jurisdiction in Africa, in my view. What do you think they're looking for to come into a place like Namibia, which is often overlooked and yet such a good jurisdiction?
1: So I think in the gold space, um, I mean, we do speak to a lot of the intermediates. Um, We even speak to some of the senior gold producers. So we do have a good sense of what they're looking for. Um, And that is probably 2 million ounces and 150,000 ounces of production. Um, That is game changing for a mid-tier, maybe not for a senior gold company, the seniors, the, the really big guys, are interested in the big picture, exploring the entire belt. We're actually talking to one of the senior gold producers to potentially uh, do something. You know that that that's something we might we might consider. Can't say too much about that. Um, of course, our project is too small for the seniors, but the mid tiers. I think we've just got to we've just got to deliver this project to that level that I discussed earlier, and I think it will attract that interest. In fact, I mean I can tell your listeners the interest is already there. We have signed. We've got a data room. We've got a bunch of companies in the data room that are busy evaluating the project. So the PEA may not have gotten a lot of interest in the equity markets. It certainly got interest among the producers. So I'm happy about that. There's another unique aspect, which is that neighboring Navachop gold mine is actually a, that's a world-class gold deposit. It's about 8 million ounce endowment. Uh, it's currently in production. It used to be owned by Anglo. And that is in a sales process at the moment. So everybody's waiting with bated breath to hear about um, who it's going to be sold to. I don't think it will be sold to uh, one of the majors, but certainly it is bringing m sizzle into Namibia. I think the biggest issue is any company wanting to enter a new jurisdiction, obviously they want the, the minimum of scale. And that's why, you know, for us to grow our project a little bit more, as I explained earlier, I think it's going to get um, and, and catch that sort of interest.
0: Looking forward to seeing how that comes out here with the Anglo asset. We'll keep an eye on that. To wrap up here, for investors uh, who are on the sidelines listening, market cap of the company stands uh, today at about 115 million Canadian. Why should they consider Ocino now?
1: I think it's very simple because it's um, it's got lots of upside. Uh, downside is protected because of the very low valuation. And it's um, substantially de-risked. With most of that de-risking, that that knowledge is not in the market yet. So I think um, you know when the market turns, we are going to be ahead of the curve in terms of our share price performance. You can um, yeah, so we're pretty confident of that. I think that's that is the essence of the investment opportunity, low risk with lots of upside.
0: And how you the best way for interested parties to reach out to you?
1: Uh, the best is to send me an email. I try to respond to all emails. so my email address is h d a. Un so my initial and my surname at oscinoresources.com. Yeah, I'll get back to you. I, I like I like interacting with people over WhatsApp, voice notes, whatever you need, whatever whatever people like to communicate in. I enjoy talking to retail investors and institutional investors, and uh, look forward to um, hopefully getting some interaction with some of your listeners.
0: Hiya, it's always a pleasure to hear from you, sir. And uh, keep up the progress over at Oscino.
1: Great, I appreciate it. Thank you very much. All the best to your listeners.